the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's a delight to do so with Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert, he is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, among other things. He is also a senior editor at 1945.com, 1945.com. And uh, he is a regular, uh, in fact, we shall make him today an official regular contributor to the Seth Leibson Show. How are you, Brandon? I am honored. Thank you. Yes. How are you? We, how long have we been doing this? A couple years, you think? Oh, I think it was, I mean, even before that, yeah. remember I was coming yeah. on when you, yeah. it was you yeah. and, yeah. 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 yeah, we've been doing this a yeah. while. Yeah. The first, I remember the first time I ever interviewed you. I said to myself when we were done, I said, that guy has energy and tempo. He's good radio. <laughs> and you know what? Also a brain. You know, you can't. Well, it's you. rare to find thank all you. of that in one thing. And a bit of a mouth. <laughs> the mouth matters. The brain matters. You know, energy, energy and smarts. I have so many things I want to talk to you. I, I saw I was reading your Twitter feed and. Um, ah. Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. And there's this story you commented on, I think probably yesterday. A challenge has been filed in federal court to have Donald Trump removed from the 2024 race under the 14th Amendment. Mark my words, they'll claim they're doing this to protect democracy. And then you wrote, doesn't he have to be convicted first? Now, on that point, <laughs> interestingly enough, I was researching this this very weekend. Interestingly enough, these um, these these law professors that I think Asa Hutchinson was referring to in debate, yes, they wrote exactly this. Hold your hat. Hold on to your hat. You sitting down? Self-executing. Yeah. Yeah. This disqualification yes. clause operates independently of any criminal yeah. proceedings or impeachment proceedings or congressional legislation. What the yeah. h? Anyone can yeah. just say insurrection, insurrection, and you're barred under uh, the Fourteenth no, Amendment. I think it's negated because uh, they're hanging. So the people who are proposing that the 14th Amendment be used to bar Trump, they're hanging that on a case in New Mexico in which the founder of Cowboys for Trump was arrested <laughs> right. breaking into the Capitol building on January 6th. Right. And he was dis he was disallowed from holding. He was a state senator, I think, in New Mexico at the time. He was basically kicked out of office and barred from running for re-election or for any office uh, because he was convicted of breaking and entering into the Capitol. So I would argue, regardless, a, of yeah. what, Go ahead. I would, regardless of what Lawrence Tribe and these others are saying, I would argue that the standard has already been set that you have to be convicted. Yes, that's exactly right. That there be, has to be some kind so, of finding. Absolutely. And yeah. But this just shows you how unwound they are. This that you can but, be barred from running for office under the Fourteenth Amendment, which is a, yeah. a a big thing to say, and yeah. do so without any conviction or yeah. even impeachment. That is a yeah. big thing. That is a 
you you look for you know we've all been looking through our thesauruses these days more than a power grab i i don't know what that is I, it's it's yeah. tyranny oh it's awful but you know the problem for trump is that he is going to be found guilty well that's it's, um, it's the, interesting I mean, but know, not the, of insurrection but not of insurrection well no but you know the, what they're saying is because remember uh i don't believe the new mexico state senator that I just referenced was found guilty of insurrection. I might be wrong. I'll have to look at the case again. I believe it was a breaking and entering or trespassing related to uh, insurrectionist activities, okay. so-called. Yeah. Um, and so I think with the, they're building the, the, the precedent for basically not necessarily precisely insurrection, but for crimes related to alleged insurrectionist activities, which is going to make it easier, I think, for them to get Trump. They, um, you know, this is whether it's the Fannie Willis state state of Georgia case for the ridiculous phone call that Trump made. uh, I need 11,000 votes and all of that. Or whether it's this January 6th claptrap that Jack Smith is conducting, particularly the January 6th Jack Smith case. So this is a D.C. based jury. Trump is going to be found guilty definitely in a D.C. court. Um, The idea that he's going to get a fair trial is ridiculous. Um, And so they're going to run with this. That's going to be their fallback argument. If Trump is somehow able to survive the GOP primary um, successfully, uh, they're going to fall back on that saying, oh, guess what? He just won the primary. Good job, Mr. President. Well, guess what? You're disqualified because... Here's the the precedent, and you're out now. And then it's going to cause a constitutional crisis. Between that and the trial being set for, I think, the day before Super Thursday, March fourth, Super Tuesday, twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Look, I, you know, I'll be the first to say Trump is his own worst enemy. He's got a big mouth. He tends. He's a self indicting machine. Um, that doesn't always mean that he's guilty of what they're saying. It just means that he tends to make his situation worse. Um, but that doesn't mean that the guy doesn't deserve a fair trial, and that doesn't mean that what they're doing to him is not politically charged. In fact, both can be very true, that the guy is probably not as guilty as they're saying, but that he, he makes his situation worse with his loose talk and sort of his flippant attitude, and then he gives a lot of ammunition to his enemies uh, to use against him, which of course they do, and that also his enemies are happily using this for political gain. All of the above are true. One of the things I was talking about with someone uh, in, in, in sort of the commentary at business this morning was, um, what are we to make of the Democrats charging ahead so hard and so far between whether it's this Lawrence Tribe thesis of the 14th Amendment or the federal judge setting a trial date the day before Super Tuesday or just even the indictments themselves, which I, which I still maintain – uh, I, I maintain you know, our indictments mostly for protected speech. Um, there's yeah. maybe some fact finding to be done on the Florida case, but I, you know, it, it's a still an extraordinary thing to charge an ex-president with or indict him on. And and so, I, Brandon, I just wanted to test this thesis out with you because yeah. they're playing with fire. And I, I wonder if you agree care. with me. I think the Democrats want to provoke an incident. That's what I think. I don't know if you I, agree I, or disagree, think, but they I have used January 6th to a fairly well. Yeah. 
No, I, I think you and I have talked about this before. When my article two months ago came out in 1945 about the truth of the January 6th yes, riot. Right, I right, think you and I did yes, talk yes, about yes, this. Yes. I, I'm 100 percent, of course, a thousand percent convinced they are hoping. This is why Trump needs to keep his mouth shut, because they want him to get out there and enrage an, an audience and then have some nutcase or even maybe a, a federal plant you know, act out to, you know, so they can blame him, so they can double down and keep going at him until he's left with nothing. Um, This is why I don't understand why Trump can't just keep his mouth closed and let his attorneys do their job. Uh, You or I, I think, would if we're under similar legal cases, you and I would very well keep our mouth closed and let our attorneys fight for us because that's what they're paid to do. Um, But Trump, and I understand it's a unique situation for him, but he has proven that he makes his situation worse and he gives more ammunition to his enemies than he often does not by by stepping out and not waiting for his attorneys to sort of cover for him. Um, And so I think that that's his biggest problem is his this temptation to always be front and center of the story. Um, you know, just think back. The, the Democrats were able to make a mountain out of a molehill with the Russia collusion investigation because he went, Trump went on to Lester Holt's television show at the time on MSNBC and said, I fired James Comey, the FBI director, because he was investigating me for Russia collusion. And that was all the Democrats needed to, to make his presidency a living nightmare for two years, which, of course, then bled into the whole Ukraine phone call and the sham impeachment thing. But Trump initiated this with his big mouth. So I think that Trump just needs to, to lay low and focus solely on publicly commenting on the campaign. I realize that's hard for him to do. I realize his followers want him to speak about the trials. And you and I are on the same page that a lot of this is exaggerated on the part of politically charged prosecutors working for Joe Biden. However, they are being very effective because guess what? Trump raised last quarter $38 million in campaign donations versus Biden's $72 million. Trump has spent more than two-thirds of that money not on campaign-related expenses, but on his legal fees that are growing with increasing amounts every day that these legal cases ground on. Whereas Biden has not spent really any of that money. He's just tucking it away because he's not having to face these kind of challenges. So Trump's in a real quandary because all that money he's amassing as the so-called front runner of this primary, it isn't going toward his campaign. It's going toward his legal fees. Someone, and I'm yeah, telling someone, you, and someone told me maybe yeah. as high as a million dollars a week. Let me pick up on that with you yeah. when we come right back. Yeah. Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weichert is my guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. You know, you put your finger on kind of an interesting fine line um, when a public figure is accused of something legally, Brandon. You were talking about Trump and, you know, uh, sometimes talking perhaps over his better interests legally. And it's it's an interesting line. You and I are aware of, and I hate to use and even use the name, maybe we don't have to. You and I are aware of a member of the conservative constellation in D.C. who is being accused of sexual uh, uh, assault. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's not saying a word. And, That's right. Uh, and I... And I 
I have this view that if you're accused of something that goes to such an element of your character and your decency and your honesty, that sometimes you say, the hell with what the lawyers say, I'm screaming my innocence from the rooftops. That's how I kind of knew Clinton was guilty from the beginning, because he was just so quiet about it and so you know, so willing to just kind of brush off the allegations as if they were meaningless. When I think an innocent person would be screaming their innocence from the rooftops. So there's, but, a, there's a bit of a fine line sometimes, I think. Yeah, Fair enough? But ultimately, well, but ultimately, Clinton, if you're part of the expression, Clinton got off and, you know, he survived and was a two-term president with no real issue after that. Whereas Trump, you know, he... I don't think I don't think Trump is totally innocent in all of these things, particularly the classified documents. That's the I that's the one that that I think really does yeah, require I, a fact I, finder. I, I yeah. don't think right. I don't think that any other president though would be or former president right. would be subjected also that. to what he's being subjected right. to. Also that. Um, at, at the same time, though, Trump has proven, as I noted with the um, what do you call it, the Lester Holt example. Yeah. Trump has proven that whenever he takes to the media, he doesn't just say I'm innocent. He goes above and beyond yeah. and he keeps talking and he keeps providing fodder and he keeps breathing life. I mean, a lie will die of its own volition eventually because it, it doesn't exist in reality. It, the only way a lie continues to exist is when you continue to breathe new life into it. And Trump, for whatever reason, and it's not all his fault, his enemies are very good at mis, you know, misinterpreting what he says and, and misallocating what he says for their own gain. But in that circumstance, that's when you have to be really disciplined and just not say anything, because anything you say can and will be used against you. And again, Bill Clinton, yeah, we, you and I know he was guilty as sin, but he got away with it. He got away with it. Trump is not. Trump what? is in a, in, a, in a real legal nightmare right now. Well, he is in a legal nightmare. Um, Bill Clinton was successful politically, for sure. There's no question about it. There were, there were some penalties. He lost his law licenses, yes. And, yes. and he had to pay, I think, an $800,000 fine and stuff like that. But you're right. He did succeed politically. It's just an interesting question. But it is almost clear beyond dispute that these trial dates and the timing of these indictments Absolutely. are have yep. been have been used to further attempt oh. to hamper and silence yeah. him there's no question at this point one one yeah, is a one is a coincidence 12 is a right. is is a plan right and look at the flip side with Hunter Biden, yeah, right? Right. Here, here is a guy who, and I just, I, I think it might have been published already. There was an article I wrote this morning for 1945. I did a deep dive on his so-called sweetheart plea deal, um, the context for why the Department of Justice offered Hunter Biden in the tax evasion right. and illegal gun possession case, right. why they offered him it. Um, you know, they now, because that plea deal fell apart, because the judge saw the absurdity of it and because the, the legal teams for the prosecution and Hunter Biden couldn't agree as to how far right. the plea deal could be applied, right. what other crimes it would protect him from. The judge said, no, we're not going to take it, forcing uh, Hunter to change his plea from not from guilty rather to not guilty. Um, if you look at that, though, um, the the. Prosecution is basically handling him with kids' gloves mm -hmm. because they know that the president is involved. Mm -hmm. They know that they are protecting President Biden, 
And they are doing everything they can to delay these investigations and trials into Hunter until after the election while piling on Donald Trump. So it's 100 percent a double standard and it's 100 percent political. But unfortunately, Donald Trump, that doesn't negate the fact that he's in the position he's in. And he's going to have to keep his mouth closed if he wants to have a semblance of a chance to get out of this situation that he's found himself in. And I I don't see him being I mean, look, the Hunter Biden thing after the the judge denied the plea deal, they appointed a special uh, (laughs) counsel investigator who was a DOJ active employee. That's yeah. not what a special counselor is supposed to be. It's supposed to be somebody from outside the organization who can't be corrupted. Better, better, stronger outside right. the government, right. not just outside right. the organization, outside right. the government. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, yeah. and they did the opposite. So they're even manipulating their own standards to protect Hunter while they're putting people, these, these pit bulls like Jack Smith, you know, to, to, to you know, basically Garrett uh, Trump uh, legally. Yeah. And it's working. It's working across the board. In some respects, it is. It's interesting. You know, we haven't gotten great polling. We've seen a few little polls here. I think Emerson did one, you know, with 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 what Donald Trump's popularity is vis-a-vis the debates that transpired last week. The debates didn't do much for anyone so far as I can tell just yet, except I will say that you've been on to this longer perhaps than anyone I will say I'm beginning to see more and more articles finally looking into a bit of Vivek Ramaswamy's past. And, ah. you know, you're, you're seeing that now. He is now in the position, <laughs> DeSantis. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anything ever, if anyone ever really no. did anything to DeSantis' past. There's nothing to do. But the investigations were certainly uh, certainly ample. But now, now Vivek is getting them, and they're not looking good. Oh, uh, no, Vivek was, and, and I, I like to say, I, you know, even before Josh Hammer had the story at Newsweek, my article at 1945 was the first article I saw anywhere going into Vivek's background. Yeah. Um, I got a hold of his thesis from Harvard. It's some weird, creepy stuff. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt that he sought out the specific fellowship with George Soros. He was one of only a handful of people in the world who have ever received that fellowship. That was, a, that was not just a, a student looking for any scholarship he could find to pay for his, uh, you know, his schooling. That was he wanted to get to George Soros so he could make those globalist connections, and then he leveraged that to get into Yale Law. And after Yale Law, excuse me, Yale Law, he leveraged all of that to start his biotech company. I think it's Roy Vant is how you say it. And his biotech firm, by the way, was nothing more, as I've been uncovering, and I'm working on another expose on him, his biotech firm was nothing more than your typical pump-and-dump a uh, con man uh, game that you see, uh, you know, Sam Bankman fried, whatever that guy's yeah, name yeah. is, uh, uh, was, was involved. And it's your typical Ivy League con job. And he got away with it because of the fact that he was one of George Soros's p- preferred guys. Well, what's interesting, and, let, me ta- let me take a break yeah, and come back. Yeah. I'll, I'll just plant the seed with you. What's interesting to me about it is, you know, the lies he's been telling about it. It almost reminds me of you know, the call it the lies about college, the lies about law school, the lies about his poverty. One of the lies was he needed it to afford law school. He was already worth a couple few million dollars. He probably could have paid for other people's scholarships. It's it's beginning to sound a little bit like Joe Biden in nineteen eighty eight. Brandon Weikert and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Delighted to have Brandon Weikert with us. 
Really, uh, uh, first and foremost, a national security and foreign policy expert, the author of such great books as Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. We'll get to some of that in a moment. Just one more thing on on Ramaswamy. You know, there's there's this odd thing. Christopher Hitchens once said about Bill Clinton, he's a pathological liar because he tells a lie when even the truth would be just fine. He tells the lie when the truth would do just fine. And you look at this story about that Soros scholarship that he has been lying about. He has said in the past, I needed the money. Frankly, I'd do it again. And then, you know, you look into it. He was worth, you know, he had already made a lot of a lot of money, several million dollars by the time he went. And he came from money. That I just don't know. Yeah, middle class. Yeah, upper middle class family who helped pay his way through college to begin with. He wasn't this poor, you know, helpless immigrant. He had been living in America for many years, and mom and dad were very well-to-do, successful. Well, and then good for them. I mean, I don't hold that against him. What I hold against him is when he tries to pretend to be this, you know, this you know, up from hard scrabble upbringing, the one that's from up from hard scrabble upbringing, upbringing or humble beginnings is DeSantis. Yeah. Right. And everybody trashes him. Yeah. Remember, he's, you know, and this is where I really get angry because it's the Trump people who are promoting Vivek as the only other true heir to, to MAGA. Well, Vivek, look at his background, yeah. the truth, what you and yeah. I have been talking about. Yeah. Compare it to DeSantis. Right. They say DeSantis is a globalist. <laughs> But he never sought a fellowship with, uh, you know, George Soros himself. I doubt he's even met George Soros. I mean, this is like insane. Oh, I'm sure he's stuff. never met him. I'm sure he's never met him. Uh, we're talking about DeSantis. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Uh, we'd yeah, have seen, we'd sure have seen that I mean, picture. DeSantis. In fact, we know he's never met him because someone had to graft a picture. Didn't someone have to make an that's AI right. or some that's kind of right. Photoshop Absolutely. picture? Absolutely. Right. And that's right. not to say I'm not trying to convince your audience to agree with me on DeSantis. But all I'm saying is that Vivek is a liar. He is a manipulator. He is shamelessly using and tricking Honest GOP voters who are rightly angry at the current situation, who are looking for somebody new to trust, and he is uh, exploiting them shamelessly to further his own goal. Now, the question is, what are his goals? What are his end? Because I think he knows deep down he's not going to be president, and I don't even think he really wants it. I think maybe he wants to be Trump's Veep nominee, but he's going to be in for a rude awakening because Trump's going to pick Nikki Haley, I'm convinced. And if that's not his end goal, it's probably then to build up his brand as a new conservative influencer, because why not? He's already got a billion dollars in the bank. What else is there to do other than to become a conservative celebrity and suck up all the airtime from actual conservative pundits so that he can, you know, self-promote? That's what this is about. This is about Vivek. This is not about some movement. This is not about protecting America's future. Look at the entirety of his adult life and look at all the lies he's told and continues to tell and tell me where in any of that is there honesty. There is none. I um I, I I have to tell you let's 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 go to the national security credentials Brandon sure. because the guy is a foreign policy mess. He's a foreign policy yeah. mess. Yeah. Um and yeah. uh, it's it's you know, he can give a good speech, he can give a good close, his Ten Commandments. We all want to kind of like him, but there is a snake oil here <coughs> at the bottom Absolutely. of it, I think. And it's, it's, it's just not a rational 
concept to abandon every ally in the field. It's not an America first thing when you have no allies. It's America alone when you have no allies. Yeah, no, he doesn't even believe that, though. This is, again, this is just shamelessly sucking up to what he thinks is the MAGA predisposition on foreign policy. And that's, by the way, there is no MAGA predisposition right. on foreign right. policy. Right. It's, you know, it's there. That's the one of the least well-defined. Absolutely right. I'm glad you said that. That's so, eminently true. You know, it's like there are some people who agree with him, but there are many people who, you know, they don't really think about it because they're they're worried about living their lives yep. and it's not a daily part of their life. And when you ask most Americans, for instance, I've been very critical of the Ukraine, our, our involvement in the Ukraine war. But when you ask most Americans, do they support Ukraine? Most say yes. Yeah. Are they sympathetic with Ukraine? Yes. Maybe they don't want to see us, you know, risk a nuclear war, which is where I am. I don't want to see us risk a nuclear war. But they don't say that they're on Russia's side. They don't say they want to empower Russia at the expense of Ukraine. Um, you know, that's something that's a very minor kind of Buchananite view um, that goes back to the cultural conservatism that Buchanan believes in, uh, which I don't even think is an accurate way to describe it. Um, and then, you know, Vivek's weird assessment of Taiwan. I know. So um, it's so odd. Let me take this break. We'll have a longer segment yeah. coming up, and that'll get us into a nice segue on other issues, foreign policy. Brandon Weikert is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at we. The Brandon. We, the Brandon, agree with him, disagree with him. It's always smart and um, often predictive. Brandon, um, yeah, the Ramaswamy view on Taiwan is just eerie. Uh, Broadcasting a date, basically, at which point we will no longer be interested in defending or um, protecting Taiwan, the date being 2028, uh, related to a narrow area having to do with uh, with uh, with microprocessing chip technology, that you know, it's just it's just so odd. It's wanting it's wanting things both ways, but it's unserious, is what it is. It's it's, un- I mean, everything he says almost is unserious. He doesn't he doesn't believe anything. This is a guy who was a king of the pump and dump. This is how he made his money. Do you understand his biotech firm never made any major breakthrough in terms of what it was spending money on designing? It was all false promises and shattered hopes and broken dreams. He went around collecting all of these copyrights on medicines that other companies had dropped because they didn't think they'd work. And he spent all this time and money building them up to generate income for himself. And then he... They say, by the way, there's there's a very real suspicion that when he made his money by, by by getting out of his company, that that was a result of insider trading, and that was never fully pursued in 2018, and it should have or 2020, and it should have been because everything he did was a falsehood. That was a it was a you know it was mirages, it was a wilderness of mirrors that he was creating so he could get a lot of money fast. And so the same thing applies to his political statements, specifically on foreign policy. They do not make any sense because Taiwan is more than just a semiconductor fabricating facility. Taiwan is the linchpin of the first island chain. The first island chain is one of three island chains that we must preserve so that we have the ability to interdict 
and send our power, our military, close up to China's shores. Otherwise, China takes those island chains and they go right up to Hawaii and the Aleutian Islands. And then they start sending their military into our part of the world in the Americas. So that is the real game. It is a classic geopolitical game. The semiconductors are just sort of icing for the cake. So, you know, unless Taiwan is going to somehow physically move, we're going to always need right. to keep an eye on Taiwan. Right. And so Vivek knows this, by the way. Vivek is not an idiot. He knows this. He's just a con man. And he's playing up what voters want to hear. And, it's, and it, I realize that's what all politicians do on some level, but his are so ridiculous that you just sort of have to just wash your hands of the whole thing and realize there's only two real candidates in the GOP right now, Trump and DeSantis. Everything else is a sideshow. Brandon, there's, um, there's a lot of – I always get curious when various outlets print the same story, but a bunch of them were printing today about China's economy. Uh, your friend Gordon Chang was talking about something you've also been saying, which is if China's going to do something with Taiwan, it might be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, maybe that's in part because of the economic situation primarily tied to growth and youth unemployment there. How, how serious is the China situation economically right now? And then well, does that relate to their military aspirations? Um, oh, yeah, so th- there's definitely a major correction going on. I, you know, I, I think we've been following this for several years. I think it was always believed that, first of all, the Chinese were never totally open about the truth of their growth numbers. They were always in double-digit growth numbers every year for like 40 years straight. They were definitely growing every year, but, you know, they were probably fudging the numbers for sure. Um, But now there's no denying that there is a correction going on. It is systemic. It doesn't, though, mean that China's collapsing. We have to we have to really balance kind of that that urge to say, well, this is the end. We're just saying that right for right now, it looks like it's a major correction. But countries go through major corrections all the time. Doesn't mean it's going to be the end of China. However, if it is a major correction, as we think it is, then that makes China more likely, not less likely, to flash out. Because that means that Xi Jinping, who has spent the last decade aggregating more power in his hands than any leader since Mao, has no one to blame but himself, and he knows it, and he knows that if if he's not careful, his people are going to be looking around going, you know what, things aren't working out for us the way they were supposed to, Xi, we're turning on you. So what he's doing is he's laying the seed, the groundwork for, I think, a strike against Taiwan sooner rather than later. And I think the fact that they have this huge unemployed bulge of young military age males means that he definitely needs to go to war soon, a bloody war, the bloodier the better, because all those young males that might lead a revolution against him because of the downturn in the economy, they're going to be too busy being deployed over to Taiwan you know, dealing with the bloodbath that's going to happen there. And so I think that a war is more likely, not less likely, over Taiwan very soon. A lot of people are talking about an article Karl Rove wrote about this isn't the worst of our times politically and domestically, and it's an interesting, debatable proposition. But I have to tell you, you look around the world, I think this is as precarious a time as as it's been since before Pearl Harbor. It's a turning point. It's a turning point is what it is. The whole world is experiencing a turning point, and it is – it's a – you know, right now we're going the beginnings of, or rather the sort of beyond the first stage of – 
uh, a generational shift of the likes we haven't experienced really in 50 or 60 years. The baby boomers are now mostly going into retirement. Many of them are now passing on. Uh, we know that by the middle to the, the, you know, the next few years, many of the baby boom cohort will have died. It's believed that by the 2030s will be the greatest wealth transfer from one generation to another. Uh, in the history of our country as the boomers die off. So there are, across the world, there's this generational change going on. There's also these incredible uh, societal or sociopolitical shifts going on, and we see that playing out with the rise of the last six years with nationalist populist movements and democratic so-called socialist movements that are happening. All of these things are, are sort of congealing into what, would be called one of the major turning points in human history. Future historians, and I hate that term, but if there's anyone left 100 years, 200 years from now, they're going to be pointing at this era, the 2020s, as one of those decisive decades that determined the rest of human civilization for at least the rest of the 21st century. You've given us a lot today, Brandon, and I thank you for it. Brandon Weikert, you. you betcha. Brandon Weikert has been our guest. He is uh, on Twitter at we the Brandon. He is the author of several important books, including Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. You've heard me talking about Why Refi. Happy to do it. Why Refi has been getting a lot of phone calls from you all, too. And I, as they, thank you for supporting an investment that actually helps people. Um, to review it, basics. First off, totally true. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. The vicissitudes of the stock market, irrelevant. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and there are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. If you're not sure if you trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may very well be a very good option for you. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y, dot com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. That's 888-Y-REFI-24. 24, or visit them in person. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101, and uh, they invite anyone to come by. No sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. Uh, Brandon gives us a lot to think about, and I don't agree with everything he says, obviously. Uh, someone once, uh, someone, William Buckley once said of my old professor Harry Jaffa in an intro to one of his books, if you think it's hard to argue with Harry Jaffa, try agreeing with him. <laughs> and uh, one might uh, one might equally say the same of um, of Brandon. But uh, when, these presidential uh, primary uh, races are going to have flavors of the month, and you're going to see uh, this next few weeks will probably be very much about Vivek Ramaswamy, especially as it looks like Ron DeSantis. Uh, is going to spend a little bit more time in Florida. At least that was the news this morning. He was putting off some, I believe, South Carolina events. I, I and and it's probably not going to look too good. Book market. Um, there is much to admire there. Um, I, you just you just kind of wish someone who was so good in one thing could be so good on and across the various silos that one has to do. One has to be good at. Um, but you know, you lie about. 
college loans. You lie about your college experiences when there's really no need to. It's just not a good sign. And it tells you it tells you there's more to investigate. And I'm telling you, there will be more investigations. Um, the bowed head, old Hungarian saying, we'll end with Hungarian saying, the ba- yes, Hungary. Yes, Hungary. The bowed head does not get chopped off. All right. I am Seth Leibson. Thanks for opening your Monday with us. David Dahl, thank you for everything. And until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.